Hi, and welcome to episode 97 of No Crying in Baseball, the Damn It, Hammett episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. How are you? I am sleepy. Yeah. I'm going to maybe be a less animated potty mouth today. No, that's I don't not true. It. That's not true. You not are going to get me animated very soon. We're going to talk about baseball. That will lift my spirits. But I might be a little less sharp than usual because today I returned to full-time work for the first time. Wow. In- Wait, you have, a, you have another job? This isn't it? <laughs> I have another job. Yeah, we have alluded to why I am called potty mouth on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's because I do have this teaching gig during the day. I had been doing it part-time while I had my youngin at home, even as she got to be an older youngin. And yesterday, (laughs) we deposit her in the heart of Yankees country. Mm -hmm. New York City is where my kid is at. I don't think she sees it as Yankees country. I think that has nothing to do with with her worldview. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Which is why where everything is all okay, and we just have to go and smile at all the Yankees fans when we go visit her and And there she is. So here I am working full time to pay tuition. And today was my first day back. So between dropping my kid in Manhattan yesterday, working full time today, I might not be quite as sharp. (laughs) I'm never sharp. Quite as, I don't (laughs) know, whatever. I was going to point that out. No, you're totally sharp. Hey, you look fabulous. Oh, thank you. You did a great job with your kid. We're feeling good about our kids. We launched our kids this week. My kid is doing great. Your kid is doing great. We are fantastic moms. So go team. And we love baseball. Cheers. You know who else dropped their kid off at college this week? Who? Big Poppy. I, I actually did see that. David Ortiz, That's the awesome. very first photo mm-hmm. of him since he was shot. Yeah, crazy. Is him dropping his daughter off at Berkeley School of Music. And I was really happy to see that. And I thought, well, a big poppy can do it. We can do it because we're so similar in so many ways. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and Berkeley School of Music is so close to Fenway. It's right? not even funny. It's yeah. like right behind Fenway. So that's kind of cool. Like he could go visit his daughter, go visit the team. It's very convenient. Just like how we planned where our kids are going. Huh, yeah. On today's show, we're going to talk about some Players Weekend fashion statements. Huh. Um, the hamate bone. Remember the hamate bone, the appendix of the hand? It rears its ugly head yet again and is a problem for me and my fantasy boyfriends. Uh, Paul DeYoung incorporates special effects in his home run hitting, which is pretty cool. I like that a lot. Yasiel Puig goes to camp and starts earning back some some boyfriend points that we weren't sure he was going to get. He's doing okay right now. Uh, Justin Verlander, however... Crosses a line with the free press, the Detroit free press to be specific, but that could be that could be a big thing, actually. We're going to close out our coverage of the Little League World Series with a little more focus on the female umpire, um, Kelly Dean, and the great stuff that she was able to do. And we're going to talk about the finals, even with our friends Curacao not quite making it. Um, U.S. women's baseball kicks ass and no one knows about it. it's like a tree falling in the forest but we're gonna we're gonna rant about it for a little while so you'll know more about it and then possibly we're gonna close with the i think it's the greatest prank in jumbotron history potty mouth might disagree but you be the judge looking forward to that one <laughs> but you know what let's start with players weekend i i feel a little bit like I missed Players Weekend because I was doing all this moving to New York and stuff, but I caught a little bit, a glimpse here and there. And and let's start with the positive because we can get- Get that out of the way quickly, actually. get that out of the way super quickly. All right. One positive is it gave the players yet another chance to show their love for Tyler Skaggs of the Angels, the, the pitcher who died several weeks ago. 
And I think it's interesting that three of the Brewers, uh, Christian Yelich, your boyfriend, your baseball boyfriend from the Brewers, and uh, Ryan Ryan Brown, right? Mm -hmm. And Mike Moustakis. My last year's boyfriend. So check out your your taste here. It's it's good taste. It's fine taste. All three of them chose Love You, Ty as their nicknames, which was on the back of your sh- their shirt, for those who could read it. Actually or see that. Yeah, or, or see, see the print markup of it. Um, and I know there were other players around who also made tributes to him, and I think that every player had the 45 patch on them. For they were all number. given that as an option. And I can't imagine anyone turning that down. Yeah, Patrick Corbin from the Nats had the, wor- the words 45 spelled out. As his nickname, because they were best friends for a long time. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. In one of our prior episodes, we talked about when he pitched right afterwards and had an incredible outing. Um, Are there there cool things that players got to do? I mean, the the idea behind Players Weekend is it's a time for players to express themselves. So there were the cool nicknames, and then they could go wild with certain parts of their clothing. And their gloves, their bats, their cleats. Mookie Betts, speaking of Big Poppy, had cleats that were in honor of Big Poppy. And there is a video on his Instagram page where he explains that this is for 34 and, you know, a little bit um, bittersweet because talking about how he's glad he's still here. Yeah. And so that really caught me up when he said that. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, we knew we knew. But to have him say that out loud, Mm -hmm. that was close. Mm -hmm. And and how much he owes to him. I mean, that he really looks up to him for having taken him under his wing and, you know, show him around when he was just a wee red sock. So uh, I don't know. There were some other cool nicknames, but I didn't write any down. (laughs) So I'm not exactly sure where there were. Yeah, some of them were better than others. Um, a lot of them are the nicknames that everybody calls the players, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. Some were, I like when they go back to like childhood nicknames. Like remember when Juan Soto did Juanjo last year? Yeah. I he liked was, it. He was, was Soto Ma- Pacheco this year. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I think is his full name, but I'm not totally sure. Yeah. And and uh, actually, Scherzer did the other eyes. So he did blue eye last year and brown eye this, this year. This year yeah. is, that's a cute one. There was a joke that they should have done black eye this year because <laughs> of his like bunt accident. He totally should have. Yeah. That, mm, but they, missed have to, opportunity. they have to pick these things, I think, like back in March. Yeah. So, that, which is why, like, Para, you know, Para could have done, like, Daddy Shark, but I think it was way too late because that came mu- months after he became a nap. And, and that hurt um, Michael Chavis. And I don't know how that ended up because he was branded the uh, the ice horse at some point during his tenure, but he had to pick his nick- nickname before then, and I don't even remember what it was, yeah. but it, it wasn't the cool thing. So um, a couple other fun things that happened. Aaron Judge had his cleats signed by all 217 participants of the Little League World Series. They all managed to find a piece of his cleat to you know, sign. You know what that is? What that, is that? That's a serious investment. One, at least one, probably several of those 217 signatures, yeah. you know, they could be like historic folks someday. Right? I yeah. think that's his retirement, like, like Aaron like Judge. Like he's going to a retirement <laughs> I think playing for the Yankees right. is his retirement right. plan. The other fun one was, if you remember, um, Elvis Andrus, who was my boyfriend last year for the Rangers, started using Baby Shark as his walk-up at the beginning of the season. Yeah, he scooped um, Gerardo Parra on that. And I didn't like it, but I knew he had kids. So fine, you get a pass on that. But he had a Daddy Shark bat. I like it. That is leaning in. Go for it. Have some fun. The things that were less fun were the uniforms. 
So somebody at Major League Baseball had an idea that I think the germ of this idea was a good one. It was like the, the players are going to have these colorful cleats and these compression sleeves and the mitts. And how can we make sure they pop? They really shop. Well, I know. Let's have monochrome uniforms. Let's have solid white uniforms and solid black uniforms. But they didn't really think that through. Did you have any problems with that? So they, they could have done that better. So the, so <laughs> yeah. the, the issue was the white on white and the black on black. So you couldn't read the fucking nickname. So what's the or point? Or the numbers. Right? You couldn't tell who was who. You couldn't tell who was an umpire and who was a that player. That was the killers. Like all these people in black are running around the field. Some of them are umpires. Some of them are outfielders. I don't know. And yeah. then and then that special um, thing that they gave the pitcher of the white team to wear a black hat so that there would be they, more contrast with the ball because that little tiny cap is going to make a big difference. Yeah, that part I didn't understand. Like the cap? <laughs> I mean, it, isn't the ball in other places I did, as lots well? Of, lots of places. Um, Terry Francona, who um, I loved Francona, he joked that he w- he didn't want to make any pitching changes because he didn't want to be seen in public. Like He didn't want to be seen <laughs> in, in the all-white uniform walking onto the field. So, yeah, he kept those to a minimum. I saw a lot of good takes on this, though. Yeah, you know, me. it definitely led to the Twitterverse going crazy. One was Hunter Pence in his white, mm-hmm. had the white hat, the white uniform, and white gloves, and did a little bit of a mime act. Oh, sure he did. Which was totally... I love some Hunter Pence. <laughs> yes. He is classic. The other uh, comparisons, I think, that were pretty good. You know, the white team is the ones that I saw. The Spaceballs thing mm-hmm. with the helmet and the white outfit. Oh, yeah. And then a, another one of the Woody Allen and the sperm in Sleeper. Oh. Oh, sure. Kind of like the guys in white, right? And and the last one that I just saw was the Mad uh, Magazine Spy versus Spy. Like, is that what they oh, were going for? That is a very excellent one. So the Cubs tried to push back on this a little bit on Friday night, the first game of Players Weekend. They said, you know what? Screw this. We're wearing our blue caps because we want our team unity out there. We want to look like us instead of these that are generic things. That was one of the problems. All the teams looked alike. So if you're watching a highlight show, <laughs> that's a Every team was black or white or black or white. And I had no idea who I was looking at. But so the Cubs wore their blue caps on Friday nights. Cool. Check, check us out. We're going to buck the trend. Well, Saturday and Sunday, they were back to their white caps. So I think they may have been reprimanded. Not sure. The other thing that happened was the Dodgers and the Yankees were playing interleague Sunday night national televised game. They have probably the most distinctive uniforms in all of the major leagues, the Yankee pinstripes and the Dodger blue. And they said, please, Major League Baseball. It's going to be like nine o'clock at night, the end of Players Weekend. Players Weekend is over. We really want to wear our uniforms. Both teams really want to wear our uniforms. And this is Sunday night baseball, this, right? This, this is, is the national, national broadcast, yes. and everybody's saying, and I'm not saying this, but I hear other people are saying that maybe it was a preview of the World Series. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is I'm a, not saying that. I'm not saying that, but it's a possibility. And, and MLB said no. So they were wearing their, you know, umpire black and their mime white. And there they were, and you couldn't tell who was who and what was what for the whole game. I really want to know the individuals responsible for this. Like, who's the dude who thought this was a good idea? Who's the dude who enforced it, like, to the letter? I, who, who can, who can uh, speak, defend themselves? How it's do we it's find indefensible. Them? So I think yeah. that we find them and their careers are over. So we probably, that's bad. So how do we do this better for next year? Because I like what you said about the, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop. Like if you're going to do the special uh, armband or glove or whatever, that's a you cool concept. Well, 
contrasting, like it could have been white on black and black on mm-hmm. white. And right there, it would have been 80% better. Yes, it really would have. Definitely. Last year, they went for sort of the Little League look, sort of like the playful colors. And I thought that was fun because each team had its own look. So it wasn't another team in black playing another team in white. Mm. It was the Aqua team playing the Kelly Green team or whatever. And so it was more interesting. Yeah, I like that that idea of being able to distinguish what team you're watching. I'm yeah. wondering if we could do a little bit of the pattern with the black and white. Like they could have something about Harlequin their... pattern. Oh, that would be oh, nice. Oh, sure. And then like, you know, like the, the prison stripes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We that could, could have work. some fun with <laughs> That would work. Or, or pinstripes or something that reflects their team. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I think they need to absolutely put us in charge of this. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Don't mm-hmm. worry. We're here for you. All right. So damn it, Hammett. I love you. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a little moment. We're having a little Rocky Horror moment mm-hmm. here. But um, so Jose Ramirez, who's my boyfriend on the Cleveland team, who I may have mentioned in previous weeks, making the comeback. I had said he was my pick for MVP, and he's having an MVP half season his first half of the season definitely nowhere to be seen second half he was really coming out coming out strong until he hit a foul ball and foul tip actually and then grabbed his wrist and it was over because his hamate bone bone the appendix of the hand is broken the bone that does nothing but cause pain is broken but you've called it the superman bone so here's here's the good news that you have said that in the past when this has been removed that performance improves apparently right. John Carlos Stanton for one so here so the the downside of that is like John Carlos Stanton was out for three months he was out for like half a season when this happened to him he came back as you know a home run king after that other people have been out three or four weeks and then come back so we just don't know if Ramirez will be back in time for the playoffs or if it's going to mm. matter because are they going to make the playoffs without Ramirez. So in comparison, so Joey Gallo of the Rangers went on, had his hand broken, his appendix of the hand. I just want to call it that all the time. Yeah, now. the hand appendix. So the yeah. hand appendix broken and um, had surgery four weeks ago. And he has been swinging a bat and it hurts like hell, apparently. So he's trying very hard because he really wants to come back and he wants to play for his team, but he might be out for the whole season. And Don't that was four weeks before. Dress it, especially you know, dude, Gallo with the Rangers. It's not worth it for this season. See, that's that's what I'm worried about with Cleveland is because they're so close mm-hmm. to a playoff berth that mm, they're going to push. Are, it. are they going to push it? And then they're going to ruin Ramirez for the future. I don't know. So in the meantime, my fantasy boyfriend team is really dependent on Anthony Rendon, who in the past seven days batted 483, and Michael Brantley, who in the past seven days batted 400. So if they can keep going, I've got a shot at maintaining position. But, you know, I care for for Jose Ramirez deeply. And damn it, I also want the points. Damn it. Damn it. My my fantasy team is tanking for a number of reasons. And just really quickly, our fantasy teams are based on our baseball boyfriends. We each get to pick one guy per team because they're special, not just as a player, but there's something really cool. Go to our off-season podcast because there are lots of fun talking about these guys' lives. And one mistake I made was picking one catcher. I think I just picked one catcher. Actually, I think I picked two and and the other guy got traded too. And this isn't really a trade, but Francisco Cervelli, who was on the Pirates, and I had picked him despite his long history of concussions, he has been out for a lot of the season, or he was out for a lot of the season. He got yet another concussion May 25th. If you go back to that episode, I was very concerned about him and really wanted him to take it easy. So he was released on Thursday by the Pirates, just released. 
Nobody claimed him off waivers. Two days later, the Braves picked him up for a song, basically. He's a prorated minimum salary. $119,000 is what that comes out to for the so rest of the season. The league minimum is about half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So everybody, if they're playing a major league season, gets approximately half a million dollars. So we're coming to the to the end of the season. So that's what's left. Yeah. And we're talking about, I think Cervelli's like 33. He's been playing for 17 years. And he gets on the Braves, first place team. He goes three for five. And... I'm concerned, Francisco, I am concerned about you because he is still catching. And when he was doing his minor league starts and his rehab, he was trying to play other positions. But he got bored. He said that I'm I'm a catcher. I'm not another baseball player. I'm a catcher. And it makes sense because if you're a catcher, you're in on everything. I mean, you're running the game, essentially, especially somebody at his level. Mm -hmm. So he just couldn't give that up. But I'm worried about him, dear. He is one concussion away, man, from a, mm-hmm. a career-ending problem. And, yeah, that's terrible. And yet this is what he wants to do with his life. And so, uh Yeah, and he, he gets to be on a playoff team. I mean, the Braves right. are going to go to the playoffs. Yes. And the Pirates were not. So right. this is a big chance for him. But, honey, take care of yourself. Right. Yeah, this has happened to a lot of players that got DFA'd mm-hmm. by their teams and got picked up by somebody else and all of a sudden they have come around certainly a couple Nats players but players all around the league this has happened to and so I don't it makes you wonder like nature versus nurture like do they just need a different environment to really Mm -hmm. flourish and grow and do their best I don't know my Cardinals boyfriend Paul DeYoung had kind of a spectacular home run the other day that I just want to mention because it's fun we like the fun home runs. You know, I get a little bored with the home runs because there's so many freaking home runs. But he hit one in um, Bush Stadium in the Cardinals home park against the Brewers. And if you if you remember, if you know, the uh, Bush Stadium has a, a a little homage to Mark McGuire. It says Big Mac Land. Great big sign. It's not a McDonald's it's sign? It's not a McDonald's sign. It's oh, a Mark McGuire sign. I, I, no I clue. thought you might ask that, but McDonald's comes in later because here's okay. what happened. He hits a home run. It's 398 feet. He hits the M in Big Mac, takes out the letter M. His home run shuts down the letter M, leaving Big Ack land. <laughs> and the ball does not bounce back out. It just sits there inside the letter M. So the whole thing is kind of M for miraculous, what he did. It was a cool special effect that you only see in movies. And the other thing that makes you know it wasn't, a really movie, it wasn't really a movie, went back to work the next day. They show up in the clubhouse and the M is out for repairs, but there's Big Macs for everybody in the clubhouse. All right. So was that courtesy of McDonald's no or courtesy of the Cardinals? No information about that. All right. That is a photo op, though. We like talking about Yasiel Puig because he is just entertainment wherever he goes. I, I have to always mention this. I, actually, I don't. I don't always mention it. I should always mention it. One thing that we try to do is keep abreast of folks that we should be a little wary about. And way, way back when Puig was first on the Dodgers, he did have a domestic violence incident. It involved his sister. I think if you go back to our very early episodes, we talked about it. But th- there was a suspension with MLB. 
there was not any sort of conviction. Like no criminal no crimi- charges or anything. I, I believe. I'm just making shit yeah. up right now because this is not in my notes. But part of what has been happening is that he's earning points back. And so when you do something really bad, is there redemption? And that's like maybe a sub-theme of our podcast is how does one redeem themselves? They must do good acts. There must be acts of retribution. And Puig is working at it. And I'm not talking about just licking bats. That's a lot of character. But he had a day off between a game with the Yankees and a game with the Mets when so he was Puig in New York. So Puig is with the Cleveland team now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's recent. Right. So from Dodgers to Reds to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And he's lighting a fire in Cleveland. I mean, so adding a little yeah. bit of a spark. He's just a fun guy. If, you know, you look at it that way. And he had this day off. And... He went to, and this is bizarre, the only kosher overnight camp for kids with cancer or blood disorders, which happens to be in the Catskills. So why would Yasiel Puig go to a kosher camp for kids with cancer? I looked into it, and it turns out that he's friends with this man, Irv Bauman. And the only thing that I could figure out is that they met courtside at a Lakers game. I don't think Bauman has any huge connection to MLB or to the Dodgers or to the sports industry. This is when Puig was playing for the Dodgers. They were watching a game together. Maybe they just hit it off. Maybe they have a similar sense of humor. I don't know. Maybe I'll try to find more links for research to put in our show notes. But I guess Bauman is connected to this camp. And as a favor, Puig went there for him, but he didn't just go there and visit. And and there's a lot of, you know, we see stuff with players who go to the hospitals and hang out with kids. But Puig partied down with these kids. He, like, added a little bit of energy and fun and excitement. They had, like, this dance thing with him in the front, and he went crowd surfing. I can't imagine how many kids... How many it requires to, to hold, hold up. up. He's a big man. Yeah, like can you He's imagine? He's a large like, ball man. And they did ball not bear. drop him. And he went to visit a kid in the infirmary who was reading one of those Where, Where's Waldo books, and he did not leave until they found Waldo. Yeah, he said, I'm waiting. I, we're we're going to work on this. You do that page. I'll do this page. I'm not moving until we find him. Turns out Puig has been doing work for kids. He has the Wild Horse Children's Foundation for Kids, which is his own charity that raises money for kids in underserved communities. So, all right. So this is this is part of earning boyfriend points back. I don't know about the original offense and if he needs to get into some counseling on that or if he's dealt with it or not, but we'll keep an eye on him and, and maybe he can work his way back up. So um, Fernmiel Reyes, who also went to the Cleveland team at the same time that Puig did, Reyes mm-hmm. came from the Padres, he had said, you know, when we would play against him when he was with the Dodgers, didn't like him, didn't like his attitude, didn't like the antics. But now that he's in the clubhouse with him, he really appreciates them because of the energy that he brings and the goodwill that he brings. And so now that he knows him personally, it's different. And I thought, okay, this is a good message. We need to hear this message that when you know more about somebody than what you see on TV or you right. see across the field, It might make a difference. Right. And obviously, I don't have the full facts on the original incident. I don't know how actually damning it was. And yeah, it's it's just what he's doing now is important. And we will keep an eye on it. We sure will. Justin Verlander did something that has me scratching my head. He, as you may know, was the best pitcher, really, that the Detroit Tigers ever had. And now he's been with the Astros for two years now. And they were in Detroit. 
Astros were playing Detroit in Detroit recently, and he barred, he asked the Astros to bar a reporter, Anthony Fenich, I believe his name is, from the Detroit Free Press, who he's got a history with Wait. from the clubhouse. Can't bar a reporter? Yeah, you're not Can allowed you to do, do that? that. No, you can't. Okay. But apparently, if you have if you have hmm. three large men who work for security for your major league baseball team you who do will stand you with do. your arm with their arms crossed in front of the clubhouse door, you can in fact bar someone. So what Verlander said was, "I'm not going to talk to any press if Fanich is in the clubhouse." What? So he was going to hold the rest of the press corps hostage if Fanich showed up. He said because of his unethical past behavior. Turns out this barring of a specific reporter is against the Baseball Writers of America rules and the Players Association rules, the collective bargaining agreement that Major League Baseball has with the players. And it's about equal access. Players are allowed to not answer questions from a particular reporter. Mm -hmm. They can say no in interviews, but they can't bar that reporter from coming into the clubhouse with everybody else. You've seen the footage of like six people holding a microphone up to the same player while one person asks the questions. So you wanted to be one of those people and you're allowed to be one of those people unless you're Justin Verlander and you say to the Astros, I don't like this man. Please make him go away. So what What's unethical? What what does and and why does Verlander get to judge that this is unethical? Is he the only one who thinks so? Cy or? Young, I think, is why he gets to judge. Okay, um, but what the Detroit Free Press said was the only things they could turn up. They could turn up a couple of things that were in question. One of them, the Detroit Free Press said, yes, this reporter did an unethical thing and we have talked to him about it. And it was really about him telling Verlander that I can help you with come up with answers to this question that make that you know, you feel comfortable with, which you can't do as a reporter. So they said, we've talked to him about that. But that was not one of the things. And that doesn't That's not like something that would bother him, right? That's not one of the things that Verlander was angry about. Verlander was angry that this particular reporter was involved in a personal conversation that he was having with somebody about watching the eclipse going to Tennessee to watch watch the complete eclipse and saying how beautiful it was. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, you heard this right. So he's, a, he's an eclipse nerd. Great. We like guys who like science. That's sure. wonderful. Apparently, this reporter tweeted out, hey, Justin Verlander went to see this total eclipse and said it was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. And that's Did, a problem? Well, he didn't ask Verlander's permission. Apparently, Verlander didn't want the world to know that he appreciated a good eclipse. And this is hurting his reputation. Who knows? How? See, that actually would have, you know, ra- you know, raised his reputation yeah, with me. Cool, totally. you like science. Mm-hmm. Not, not you're not a weather geek like that trout guy that I hear so this much about. This is weird. There was another one where he was interviewing Verlander about something that was kind of like when he when he was with the Astros, but he was talking about the Tigers, and it was a little bit complicated. And the reporter gave Verlander his card, or tried to, to say. Let's check these quotes later to make sure you're comfortable with them. And Verlander decided that was this reporter's way of trying to get his private cell phone number. Okay. I don't, he handed a card to Verlander saying, contact me if you want to talk about any of these quotes. He didn't say, tell me all of the personal ways to get a hold of you. So, or like talk to somebody who knows him or any of that stuff. So all of this is very, very weird. So the, so the Detroit Free Press actually put out an interesting piece that we will link to in the show notes saying here's what happens happened that we can figure out and including the this is the thing the reporter actually did wrong 
So they fessed up to that. But they end it by saying, hey, we are filing a complaint with the league because the league's collective bargaining agreement says that teams can't break these rules or there will be consequences. They're like, okay, let's see what you're going to do to the Astros. So this is to be continued. Stay tuned. Can I talk about Cody Bellinger losing his pants? Please do. Just really quickly, because, you know, when somebody's pants go down on the field, I'm just maybe going to pay attention. I'm going to be there for it. So this was on the 20th, August 20th against the Blue Jays. And it was a momentous occasion because Cody Bellinger got his career high 100th RBI by hitting three runs in. And it should have been a a double. He the bases were loaded. He tried to make it a triple, but in his enthusiastic slide into third, he lost his pants. Now the belt was on, but I, he just might have not had it fastened tight not enough. Not enough hips. I, I don't know. I, that's got to be it. Those BMX boys, you know, they're very thin. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. That's why he's a member of our BMX team. So uh, he was tagged out by Vlad, Vlad Guerrero, which is just, you know, nice, nice for the photo We call him Junior in case there's some old folks listening. (laughs) I said, wait, is that guy still playing? There you go. Yeah, Junior. And uh, and so he was out. So I guess he just got up, pulled up his pants and walked off the field. The pants were not damaged. (laughs) But he had Dodger blue underwear on. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Wait, was this wasn't Players Weekend, was it? So no. because I hear like those all white uniforms would have made that Dodger blue underwear pop. Hey, <laughs> that's it. That's so with it. the white uniforms, they just have to be a little thin material so that you can see whatever's underneath. You are tired. <laughs> I want to talk gonna... about a boyfriend in training. Okay. May I do that? Sure, sure. Adley Rutschman, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, he was the number one draft pick um, with the Orioles. He played in the New York Penn League for a week, got bumped up to um, short A. That was the Ironbirds. That's when I got to go see him. He has since then already been promoted to high A, Delmarva Shorebirds, in time for the playoffs because they say, hey, we want you on our team to help us in this playoff run, which is very cool. Excellent. So he's got the mad skills, but I want to tell you that something extra that he's got that makes him boyfriend material for the future. He signs a lot of autographs because he's not that much older than a lot of the kids who come to see the games, right? Autograph after autograph. So his last week with the Ironbirds, he had his first home run with the Ironbirds. He's leaving the game. End of the, he's like leaving the ballpark. And a little girl asks him for like that last autograph of the night. And he looks down at her and he pulls the home run ball out of his pocket and he hands her the home run ball. The home run ball. The This is my first home run ball at, at the Ironbirds. And here it is. It's yours. All right, we've got to keep him on the shelf for future boyfriend material when he comes up. Getting even younger, the Little League World Series just finished this weekend, and I finally got to watch a few games, and they were super fun. Cute. One of the reasons they were super fun is these kids get to play. You know, Major League Baseball says, let the kids play. They mean, let the kids play like these Little Leaguers play. They jump up and down, and they yell, and they scream, and they dance from base to base, Mm -hmm. and they are having such a freaking good time, and they're nice to each other. Yeah. You know, between the teams, they are making friends. They are supporting each other. Some other team does a great thing. And they're like, wow, (laughs) you're awesome. They're really fantastic. Uh, Potty Mouth told you last week about Kelly Dine, who is the first woman to to ump in the Little League World Series in a long time. Right. In a while. She's only she turned out she was the second woman ever to be the umpire behind home base in the final. She got to have that column balls and strikes and safe at home for the actual championship final. 
Very cool thing about that was sitting right behind her in the stands were her husband and her two sons right behind her watching. There was an interview with them during the game and both of the sons apparently also umpire Little League. Oh, that's awesome. They were so super proud of their mom. Um, Her husband has has terminal cancer. And so she was saying, I'm not going to do this because I can't leave you at home. And he's like, yeah, you can do this. I'm going with you. This is too important. So it was also a little heart wrenching, but it was so wonderful. And they made a point of highlighting her both on ESPN broadcasts, but also again, the finals were on ABC. So everybody can get this network. And they they profiled her again, because they were saying, this is important. She's important. And she made she often said, more, please, we need more women in these roles. So she had, she got to use her position to advocate for more women umpiring, which we really, really love to see. She's not only a little league ump for 10 years. She's also a registered nurse, a biomedical science teacher in a local high school and a former Lieutenant commander in the Navy. So she is not too shabby. We want to congratulate Louisiana for their spectacular win, even though they did it over no crying in baseball favorite Curacao. Yes, but a huge tip of the hat to Curacao for getting there. That's amazing. They were amazing, and they were so much freaking fun to watch. And I was telling Potty Mouth that when they were introducing the players and they would show on the screen who their favorite MLB players were, they were listing off Potty Mouth's boyfriends because she's picked all the guys from Curacao. It's like, hey, hey. oh, look, there's Albies. Oh, look, there's Anilton Simmons. Oh, look, there's Didi Gregorius. We're going down the list. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, jo- Jonathan Scope. All of these guys got mentioned. Which is amazing. This is a tiny island. And to see Curacao do that well, hey, power to him. One of the guys had this tremendous hit. He had a home run uh, from Curacao, was sort of dancing between second and third base. And one of the commentators interviewed him later and said, you were looking in the dugout doing that. What were you doing? He said, ah, it's my coach's birthday tomorrow. I just wanted to give him a little something. It was so fantastic. The guys from Louisiana earned the win. Their pitcher was out of this world. He was a shut down great pitcher. They had a guy with a bat that had like 17 hits over the course of the series. He was unstoppable. They looked great. So it was a fun game to watch. I got to watch Curacao win the the game before that. I got to watch Louisiana win the last game and everybody was into it. And it was super fun to watch. The commentators, including our pal David Ross, who we- Oh, Grandpa. Grandpa, who we totally adore- yeah. We're talking about how much fun, how much sportsmanship and how great. And they made a point of saying, we appreciate the boys and girls who make this happen. Now, we know there was only the one girl, but they made a point of being inclusive. And, you know, it's a freaking little tiny baby step, but they made that step. So thank you, my friends. Yeah, very, very tiny baby step. I, I want to quote another kid, a kid from Italy who didn't get to the Italy didn't get too far as a team. But I love this this concept. He said, I never lose. I win or I learn. Damn, and he's like 12. Yes, these are 12-year-olds. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see more girls. We'll see more stuff going on. Speaking of girls, actually, though. How about some women we can see? Can we see these women? So here's what pisses me off just a little bit. Let's start with the rat. We're starting with the rat. I'm going to start with the piss off, even though I put all the positive shit first. But, you know, the Little League World Series, I love it. It's great. But it was on ESPN, it was on ESPN2, it was on ESPNU, it was on, I think, ABC Sports, like all, every single fucking game was covered. Sure was easy to watch the Little League World Series. No problem there. And the one girl, there was lots of spotlight stuff on her, 
But we need to make it not a spotlight, not a one in a million. She's not one in a million. There are other girls out there who could be doing the same thing if they got the chance, if they got the coverage. And we had young women at the same time in an international tournament in Mexico who were getting zero coverage. And the U.S. women in this Pan American Baseball Association tournament, which is known as COPABE, which I'm guessing is the Spanish acronym for something. And it's the World Cup qualifier, right? So it's an important thing. It's not just like, oh, hey, we're going to go play over here. It's an important tournament. This is important. There were eight countries involved. I stopped on that because one of them was Puerto Rico, but that's a whole nother discussion. And the United States one. They they went seven games, won seven games, won the championships. Gold medal undefeated? You're telling me yes. they were undefeated? Undefeated. In this, I didn't see a single game. I didn't know where the games were. So where are the games? The only way to see the game was on YouTube in Spanish. And I tur- tuned in to the YouTube feed and I tuned in on the game against Canada because Canada was seated above the United States. So I was thinking this is going to be a competitive game. It's Canada. Let's check it out. And first of all, the United States beat Canada. What was it? 21 to 4. Yeah which I hear there was a lot of turnover in the Canadian team, which is why it happened. But there were a lot of U.S. people watching the game who were tapping into the chat, asking questions about what was going on. So it was kind of fun, actually, because I got to translate some stuff. And the announcer... Wait, wait, hold on. You started working for the team? You were you were I, translating I what the Spanish-speaking announcer was saying? Yes, a little bit to the, you to the women. You are my personal hero. Someone, you know who was on there was Perry Barber, our friend, the amazing woman umpire, was on there uh, giving kudos to the umps. She was amazing. She was talking about the good calls for the umps, but some of it was blocked because the camera view was not that great. You got like maybe a shot behind home plate for a while and then maybe another camera shot. So a little bit of it was obstructed. But she was also wondering what was going on. And so the announcer would say something. And so I would translate for her and yeah. for some other people. And it was fun. But I was like, you know, damn it. The the cool thing that Perry said, though, is she acknowledged what an amazing job the announcer was doing, even though she didn't understand what she was saying. So the announcers of the games, this game, there was one male and one female. And the woman Patti, oh, I can't remember her last name. I should have written it down. She was fantastic. And and even though we couldn't, she couldn't get the language, um, Perry was saying the enthusiasm and just the, the emotion behind it made it worth listening to. Nice. So the, the bummer, though, is some of the most of the games were two men calling. So sure that was yeah. a little bit of. Why is this going on? But some highlights. So the United States team, 15 against to five against Venezuela in the first game, 19 to two against the DR, 21 to one against Nicaragua. It was Nicaragua's debut. Um, 21 to four against Canada, I said 23 to one against Cuba, 17 to two against Mexico. The Puerto Rico game was supposed to be their last one. But because of rain and field conditions. They had a lot of rain and problems with field conditions. Yeah, it was was actually really crazy because uh, the the first problem that I noticed was one morning they were supposed to play and they couldn't play because somebody hadn't put the tarp out. 
Like there wasn't Jeez. being care, you know, just stuff that should be happening. And then because it's just a YouTube feed, we didn't know exactly when it was going to be played, what was going to happen. There was a lot of uncertainty. Even the championship game, we didn't know exactly what time it was. The championship game had an audience of what did I say, two hundred? Like two hundred actually there in the in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. So the the message here is we have women playing baseball who are good. Ashton uh, Lancel, who's a veteran at the age of 18, hit for the cycle. She also pitched a scoreless inning in the end of a game that in the end of that Canada game that I saw. We had Alex Hugo, the MVP, who hit 652 average. The team as a whole hit 500 average. And and it's not just like they were rolling over everybody, even though the score was like this. There was some amazing play there. There was some really good stuff, some complicated calls, and it's not getting enough attention. So my bottom line is women play baseball. We need to give them a spotlight. We need to give them appropriate media attention. And I'm hoping that we can keep talking about them and maybe find somebody to talk to from this tournament. I wish I would have seen some of those games. Hello, ESPN. Mm-hmm. The Padres. We, sta- we love them. We love them. The Padres <laughs> staged what, in my personal opinion, is the best Jumbotron prank of all time. And I think you are probably <laughs> am, amused I'm by this. I'm suffer by this, yeah. But you're amused. Okay, so mm-hmm. the Padres not doing great. And as you know, as a member of Red Sox Nation, you and yours are everywhere. So you mm-hmm. could be in any ballpark and people will wonder who's actually the home team. Because there are a lot of very vocal, very excited Red Sox fans that go to all the ballparks. Including and San Diego, which is damn far from Boston. Yeah, but maybe not so far from where those uprooted Boston people are uh, who are there for the sun and the, the 72 degrees every day, whether you need it or not. It's a lovely place. Mm-hmm. I've lived there. Thank you very much. And the Red Sox fans outnumbered the Padres fans in the stands by a lot. Really? Well, apparently by the cheering, one could wow. tell that. Well, so, Boston fans can be loud. They sure can. I know some personally, and mm-hmm. boy, they can be loud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean that with all the love in my heart. If you have been paying attention, you know that in the eighth inning at Fenway, a certain Neil Diamond song gets played and everybody sings along. Uh-oh. Uh, That's the one. So, Sweet Caroline. So, the Padres, the, the people in the booth who are freaking brilliant start playing sweet caroline in the eighth inning and all the all the red sox fans are so happy because it feels like home when they start singing along and then as they get to the sweet caroline chorus they get rick rolled it switches to rick astley and i couldn't i it, i just lost it it was so freaking uh-huh. funny it was well good. done no no it no, was I totally super well done it was well done. seamless and everybody's like Wait, what? And I think everybody was cracking up. Yeah. I think the Red Sox fans were amused by the whole thing too. Because come on, we not we're not in Boston. Yeah, but yeah, it no, was like we're gonna we're gonna rope you in and then we're gonna get you later. So yeah, that was never the gonna thing give to you do, up, Padres. Never gonna give you up. We got a week of baseball. The boys are back in town. Hey, I get to go to a game. You get tomorrow. to go to a game tomorrow. I don't get to go until this weekend. I get to see the the, um, the Mariners a few times. The Marlins, I've seen the Marlins a few times. So they're not going to be well. Who knows? The Marlins just swept the the Phillies. What? So the Marlins games might be more of a thing than we anticipate. But anyway, we've got baseball, and that's pretty exciting. If you have baseball, you should be watching some wait, baseball. What? Wait, what? Wait, we have fantasy baseball. 
And you could also play our fantasy game and and check in with Potty Mouth about how we're doing. Sorry about that. I was on my way out the door. Yeah, this, and, and I'm going to lean back and drink, and you're going to talk about fantasy and baseball. And you're the one doing well. You are in third place, but first, second, and third. Y'all are close. So this is our fantasy baseball boyfriend league made up of baseball boyfriends, so they got to be nice guys. And uh, the guy that I share this house with, the leftovers is in first place. That would be my husband. I'm trying to be There nice. you go. That's and better. He's, he's doing really well this season. So power to you. El Wamba is in second, but Patty is in third. And the three of them, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the end of this season. I am out of contention. I, I have two words for that. Way Damn it, Hammett. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. 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 I'm at, I'm down, but the kids are off to college, so they're not paying attention anymore. So they're under me. So there may be a little bit more beer happening for us, and a little bit more baseball happening for us this week. We hope you take some time to listen to some past shows. If you're new to our show, tell your friends about us. Leave us the review wherever you listen to us. And you know, next week we'll be back. Until then, say goodnight, potty mouth. Goodnight, potty mouth. <laughs>